All right, we're just going to try to you know, let some people file in here. Um, I did actually post it before, a little bit before 11, just to kind of get ready a little bit, but um, bear with me. Hello, Simon. Kitty Cat is sitting on my lap now, but um, yeah, we should um, give it some time, and then we'll get started here. There's also a chat below. Um, I know Android users are kind of SOL at the moment. I know Spotify is working on getting that for Android users. But you guys, any questions in the chat? Anything you want to say? Feel free to drop it down below. Um, Hello, B. How you doing, buddy? Rye, what's up, buddy? Not much, man. What's going on? What's good? Just, uh, <clears throat> just recovering from a hangover here. You know, getting my water in on a Sunday morning. Hey, have you ever tried Pedialyte after a hangover? Yes, I, I wish I went. I was gonna go to the store and grab some, but I I just could not fathom getting up before this. I literally rolled out of bed about 15 minutes ago just in time for this. Beat, I just wanted to let you know that you're a peach, and I I value your fanship. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying my best, you know. I've I've had a tough run recently. Wolverine Corner retweeting my my terrible tweets and making fun of me, so. Hey, it was it was a talking point, man. You know, we just it it got the people talking. So, all right, well, um, I guess we're eleven minutes into this bad boy. So, uh, what's good, Wolverines? I guess that's the official name of the show. Um, if you've seen any of the stuff that I've done on Twitter, but um, it's now a podcast. Apparently, that's a 
that's what we're doing. So um, I guess we'll get started here. Um, so we're talking about Western Michigan, who last season was 4-2 and two overall, and they started the season out on a four-game winning streak before losing the last two games of the year. And they bring a lot back experience on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Um, looking at some of the results of the games, really a lot of high-scoring affairs. So Michigan's really going to want to kind of figure out how to slow down the offense because I don't necessarily think this game is a like a, a cupcake as in Western Michigan's trash, but it's not like Michigan's Week 2 game against Washington, where that's definitely going to be a tough game for sure. And um, I know it's going to be all hands on deck, but looking at Western Michigan's schedule from last year, I mean, you put up 52 points against Central Michigan, put up 53 against Eastern Michigan, uh, 41 against Toledo, and then 58 against Akron, but Akron's pretty trash. Sorry, anybody from Akron or respects these zips um this is a zip slander account um so it's they also gave up on the defensive side they also gave up 38 points to toledo 44 to central michigan 42 to eastern michigan so it's kind of you know in between if you look at some of their defensive numbers from last year they led the mac in uh they were also fifth in the nation in quarterback, excuse me, in tackles for loss. They averaged eight and a half per game. They also averaged um, three sacks per game. So not like top of the top um, as far as overall total defense, but they do get after the quarterback pretty good. And they do have um, some of those returning players. But we'll start with the offense in Caleb Ellieby, um the sophomore He's a 6'1", 210-pound quarterback. How about 64.5% completion percentage? Uh, I know it's Western Michigan, and you're probably thinking, well, the MAC has trash defenses. That may be so, but you can't ever kind of disparage offensive numbers like that. So 18 touchdowns to two interceptions, and he also averaged 11.2 yards per attempt. So they do have some uh, playmakers on the outside to really help um, be out there. Um, he also had a QBR of a 129.9, which I think in the NFL, the highest you can go is somewhere around, uh, 150, 158. Um, I, I'm not sure how they average that for college QBR, but, uh, this is per stats reference. Um, great website. If you really need to know anything about certain, Team stats, player stats, um, highly recommend that website. They're not sponsored. I'm not sponsored by them. Uh, that's free, unsolicited um, praise. But, and yeah, Jalen Hall, especially, he's going to have to uh, fill the void left by um, uh, Dwayne Eskridge, who was drafted last year. And uh, little known fact about Dwayne Eskridge um he was actually originally recruited by Mike Hart. Um, there, I believe there was a stat, excuse me, a tweet by 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting Steve Wilfong mentioning how Mike Hart tried to keep Eskridge under wraps so none of the bigger programs would come up and take Eskridge. But, yeah, he was a beast, and they're really going to be missing him for sure. But they're, the cupboard's not bare. Um, 
head coach Tim Lester has done a excellent job ever since PJ Fleck, you know, had that incredible season where they went 12 and one. Um, and they've kind of, they had a few kind of down years. I mean, Michigan did play them in 2018 and won pretty easily. So maybe some of those guys are looking to get revenge. Who knows? But continuing with some of the numbers, uh, the running back, which he'll have some extra, I don't know, spite in this game because it'll be, uh, he's a MSU transfer. That's Ladarius Jefferson. He's a 6'1", 235-pound junior. Um, 112 rushes last year and 624 yards and five touchdowns. So not, it's solid work. Um, 5.6 yards per attempt. So um, definitely going to want to have to see how the rushing defense is with the new 3-4 uh, defense. Um, Michigan going to have primarily three down linemen and then edge rushers as outside linebackers. But that was a big concern for Michigan last year. Not, not even a concern. It, it was a problem. Teams were able to run all over Michigan, and it was not a good thing. So definitely going to want to have to keep an eye on the running game and how they defend it. Although I do have pretty, pretty high hopes for um, Mike McDonald. Um, but LEB, the quarterback, he's also able to run the ball. He had four rushing touchdowns last year. Not a whole lot of yards. Um, they probably um, equated sack loss there, too. But 38 rushing yards, not much, but it's four extra touchdowns for the sophomore. Um, another running back that they have is Sean Tyler. He had 40 carries for 263 yards and two touchdowns. Because it's, kind of, it's kind of hard to gauge last season for 2020 because we all as Michigan fans we all know Michigan was got awful last year was that a truth to the team or was it because of all the COVID stuff kind of the transition really lack of preparation by the coaching staff or the previous coaching staff which we'll kind of get into that a little bit later but so Hopefully throughout the season, as we do these Sunday morning uh, podcasts, that um, we can account for like, okay, well, this team, what did they do last week? And kind of look at it as a whole instead of right now where we're just kind of basing off of stats and, and what we've really seen um, as a whole from Western Michigan. So uh, moving on to the wide receivers, we already mentioned about Jalen Hall and Dwayne Eskridge and I was not sure the numbers of Jalen Hall, but how about this? He's a 6'3", 185-pound junior, uh, 26.9 yards per catch average. That's insane, even for max school. Um, seven touchdowns and only 12 catches. That, that is the correct stat for Jalen Hall. 323 yards. He's not somebody that they're going to want to put um, like Vincent Gray on. Sorry, Vincent, but you kind of, you got toasted last year. So I don't know if they might have Dax on Hall or maybe um, Jamon Green has been listed as the other kind of taking that step forward as a starting cornerback, but definitely a guy they're going to want to keep an eye on at all times. 
Uh, you also have Sky Moore, the 5'10", 195-pound. Um, I forgot to write down his year. Whoopsie. Uh, he had 25 catches, 388 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, 15.5 yards per catch. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just looking this over here. But yeah, um, it is going to be a big test for Jamon Green. It's really going to be a big test for the defense as a whole. Um, like I mentioned before, I don't think that I don't think Western is a pushover, but they're not they're not extremely difficult. It's not like Clemson and Georgia are playing this week. That is a brutal first game of the season. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be hype. But you know, Michigan is not starting out with a really really tough test like that. But I don't think that Western is trash either, if that makes sense. So. Moving on with the offense, the offensive line, they return four starters. So it's definitely going to be an experienced group going against, going up against that new Michigan front. Um, let's see what we got here. Um, a major returnee of note is left guard Mike Caliendo, the 6'4". 300-pound senior last year. He was first-team All-Mac, and he did not give up a sack or quarterback hit last season. So it'll be really interesting to see the the pressure um, that the defense can make. I know McDonald has mentioned that they're still going to be aggressive. Uh, The thing that was really major for them is that they wanted to simplify the defense and just be as aggressive if you watch the Baltimore Ravens defense, whether you've seen it in games or just done some kind of film prep or review, Baltimore mixes up with a lot of exotic blitzes, but they do play a lot of man-to-man. You know, they're, I wouldn't say it's super similar to Don Brown's defense per se, but kind of in the same notion of they're going to get after you um, and they're going to be really aggressive. So I'm kind of interested to see what they'll do with the exotic blitzes. Cause we knew last year coming into this year that the defensive line is specifically at DT, which is now a major focal point of the defense. Um, not, not recruited very well by Don Brown uh, towards the end of his tenure. He wanted to opt for more um, smaller guys, athletic. Maybe you could move them inside and outside depending on, um, you know how they could fill out their frame, and you really noticed towards the last couple of years that Michigan would get absolutely destroyed, kind of up the middle, in in that section because they didn't really have that big of a bodies. And now they have a, a few guys. We all know about Maji Smith. We really hope that he can take that next step this year. Uh, same thing for Chris Hinton, a former five star. Um. And then Oregon State uh, DT transfer Jordan Whitley. Um, But that's really going to depend on how in shape he is because he's just a mammoth of a gentleman. Pardon me. But they want space eaters, guys that will just kind of eat blocks and give lanes for the linebackers, the rush 
the rush edges of like Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, Jalen Harrell, um, Mike Morris. Um, so really interested to see how how they kind of attack a experienced group for Western Michigan. Um, I still think Michigan should be able to win this game, but you know we'll we'll see how it goes as we like to say. But going back to the defense, we already mentioned about how they led the MAC and was fifth in the nation in tackles for loss. Uh, some of the defensive players for them: uh, Ralph Hawley, a defensive tackle, the six-one-two-eighty-five senior, twelve solo tackles, seventeen assisted tackles, twenty-nine total, but uh, nine tackles for loss and three sacks. So he's definitely a guy that Michigan's line is going to want to have to key on that defensive front there. Um, Ali Fayed, Fayed, really apologize, Ali. Um, he's a defensive end. He's 6'2", 250-pound senior, 10 solo tackles, 17 assisted, so 17 total tackles, six tackles for loss and four sacks. Another guy who experienced, put up some numbers. Um, we're... I think they, Michigan has kind of figured out who their their starting five is going to be on who the best they best players they have. I know new head coach Sharon Moore. We'll see how he has a different style compared to uh, Ed Warnier, the departed offensive line coach. Uh, moving on to Western's defense, AJ Thomas, the safety, a six-two, two hundred and twenty-pound senior. 29 solo tackles and 46 total. I don't have the assisted numbers there, but nine tackles for loss. And that's, that's pretty decent for a safety and two sacks. He also had an interception and a touchdown on that interception and a pass deflection. Moving on to a linebacker of no uh, Corvin moment. He is a six foot, 250 pound junior, 15 solo tackles tackles 37 total three tackles for loss um and 1.5 sacks and two pass deflections so really mentioned kind of um checking around to see some western michigan preview stuff uh, a big thank you to uh college football news um kind of getting some of those names to uh check for stat wise but um it's an experienced group. They do have their their leading tackle tackler, excuse me, did transfer out, so they're going to be without the the linebacker that led in tackles last year. But it seems to be a pretty a decent group across the board. They did get a transfer um, from Eastern Carolina, which is numbers aren't really great, but it will be a, a rotational piece for them. And uh, it's a defensive tackle, Hosey Haji Badri. Um, and they'll use Hosey in a various amount of ways. So looking at some of the odds, um, they are the fifth best odds to win the Mac at, uh, plus 700. Um, and so, uh, yes, B, what, what, what question do you have, buddy? First of all, Brian, fantastic preview. Um, you know more about Western Michigan's offense and defensive line than any person on the planet, um, even the players' parents. So I'm pretty impressed. Thank um, you. I, I think you said it well. I think this is like a really good tune-up game uh, going into Washington. By no means a pushover. I think 
you look at the line, 17, 18-point game, it, it's a game that Michigan will win. Um, I'm curious from your end, what part of this Western Michigan team do you see as being the scariest? Like what, what part of this team are you most nervous about do you think has the best chance of ex- exposing Michigan? I would really have to say just from how bad the defensive backs were, which I, I really do think Steve Klinkscaler is going to do a fantastic job. Um, just, just from the start, if you've kind of followed any fall camp news, George Johnson, the third was originally, he was originally a dual threat quarterback from Florida. They recruited him as an athlete. He came to Michigan as a wide receiver. He switched over to defensive back. You did not hear about this, this guy at all for the last couple seasons. Steve Klingskill come in, comes in and he's, he was mentioned by Ronnie Bell as one of the toughest defensive backs to get past. So I think in the long run, Steve Klingskill is going to be amazing, but you, you can't look at those numbers from Jalen Hall and think like, crap, if Michigan's not going to be able to get some pressure, which I think they should, but it is an experienced line, especially with uh, LB being as accurate as 64.5% and 18 touchdowns. Like It's definitely going to be the, the battle between the wide receivers and the defensive backs because you're definitely going to have a guy that can torch you. He's done it in the past. Um, hasn't done it necessarily against Michigan, but he has the numbers to kind of prove that he he can be a burner and a game changing threat. So I'd really I'm really nervous about that dynamic between the wide receivers of Western Michigan and um, Michigan's defensive backs. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm Jalen Hall to me is the key to this this game for our defense. I, I actually had a chance. I I met Jalen. Um, grew up. Oh, that's rad. <laughs> Yeah, grew up near him, got to watch him play. He was a phenomenal center fielder. He was a phenomenal shooting guard on the basketball court. I mean, this kid could do everything growing up. And uh, I think he has a chip on his shoulder, too. You know, he's from the Metro Detroit area. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't get the looks from from schools like Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, ended up at Western, and, and he's been phenomenal there. He's huge. I mean, that 6'3 might be even short. He's like, he's up there in that 6'4 range. He can fly. Um, I'm terrified to see how we match up with him. I think that's a point where first half of the game, you look and see Jalen Hall has two touchdowns, 140 yards, and you're like, what the hell What the hell happened here? <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm terrified of him. Yeah, that's it's definitely going to be a big battle to see, which I'm kind of curious to know. I know they've been playing uh, Dax in the nickel if – if it does go south quickly, if they'll they'll put Dax on Hall, um, but we'll have to see. Um, I would imagine that they're probably going to try to at least trot out whoever they kind of have in the depth chart, see what they have because Clink Skill was not able to come into spring ball. Although they they've they've gone through fall camp and everything, but kind of seeing those live game reps, uh, it's different in practice because how many times last season did we hear that? man, the offense is slaying it in practice, and they come out to the field and was not slaying it, to put it nicely. So very interested to see how that all goes. As far as a a score prediction, I'm I'm very terrible at this. I actually probably should look at the line, um, what, what the odds are right now. But I think this game, if it's going to, it would probably be somewhat 
of a close game in the first half, and then by the by the second half, Michigan's talent, you would think, and kind of their depth should take over at that point. Um, if if you're getting into the fourth quarter and it's a tied ball game, uh, that that's going to be a problem. Um, just kind of because I know, I know Michigan really will need to set the tone for the year, especially with Jim Harbaugh's contract situation of, you know, they're going to have to do some things this year for him to possibly keep his job. Uh, we'll kind of get more into that in a little bit. Um, but checking out the odds, let's see. Should have had this ready, but. Looks like the. It's a 17 or minus 17 spread for uh, Michigan. So they're listed as a 17, 76% chance to win. Um, the over under is 68 total. Um, so really going to be interesting. It's probably looking at. Well, actually, do they have Michigan as a an underdog here? Yeah, um, that's odd because their their predicted score is a uh, thirty six to twenty seven Western over Western Michigan over Michigan. That would that would not be good to start out the seventh season of uh, Jim Harbaugh. But um, going back to to Jim, so we're kind of all on edge to see what happens this year. I myself am a known Matt Campbell fan, so no, I'm not rooting against Michigan, but I, I understand how they're it's, – it's kind of crazy to think that we're in year seven and it's it's not, hey, we re-signed Jim to an ex- a long extension. It's, well, okay, we're going to set this up as a one-year extension – to kind of go on to see what you do, kind of prove it for Harbaugh. And thinking about the what the season prediction, I don't necessarily think it's about wins and losses. Now, if Michigan goes six and six or worse, that's obviously telling you, okay, what the changes that were made have not worked. So, um, moving forward, you'd probably move off of Jim if there was a six and six type season, um, if Michigan goes 10 and three or better, you're probably looking at a like, okay, you know, the changes that Jim worked, we can push forward towards a, you know, hopefully we turn the corner and we can look forward to a big season in the 2022 season. But what if you're in that, that range of, well, maybe they go eight and four, or seven and five, or even nine and three to to some degree. It, it's really all about okay, what are your wins and what are your losses? Um, a game that I feel like Michigan definitely cannot lose, especially with being twenty four and a half point favorites last year against Michigan State. I don't think that Harbaugh could survive going into Michigan State losing back-to-back games to Mel Tucker when when Michigan really had uh they had the opportunity to kind of like okay you just dominated Michigan State in 2019 
Mark D'Antonio's gone. Their their roster is really down. They've kind of got a, a coach who had a really late start due to COVID stuff and all kinds of problems for what the last year's offseason was. And to blow a game like that at home, um, it's unacceptable. It's not Michigan standard. I'm not saying Michigan has to be Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama, but you know, you, you kind of need to win that one. And so, in my opinion, I kind of think that if Michigan loses to Michigan State in really any capacity, then that's that's not good for Harbaugh's retention um, chances. Um, moving on to the Ohio State game, I'm not going to predict an Ohio State win until I've seen it. I've seen it once in my life. Technically, they've won a couple more times, but me sitting there watching the actual live game happening, uh, 2011, Denard Robinson, the, the GOAT of recent Michigan quarterbacks, um, you know, they were able to beat Ohio State. And even against the 6-6 and Ohio State team, that game came down to the wire. Recently, the last couple seasons, Michigan has been getting their ass beat against um, Ohio State starting when 2018 and then starting or last or not last year, the year before in 2019. I was actually there for that game. Um, it didn't seem like they had a bad game plan per se, but the Michigan receivers had a really tough day with drops and the defense could not stop Ohio State's offense, which has kind of been the trend of the last couple of years. But um, we have RJ Bishop saying, I think there's four games we absolutely cannot lose, those being Washington, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State. Um, those are definitely going to be the uh, – I would think Michigan will probably be favored in the Michigan State game, but Washington, Wisconsin, and Penn State, those are either Michigan's going to be underdogs or they're, it's going to be a toss-up. Um, and so with that, what, what are their performances there? Because if – if Michigan is going to go to Camp Randall um, and beat Wisconsin, something they haven't done since 2001, like can they do that? You know, it's more – it's kind of like the Ohio State thing of we'll believe it when we see it. You know, are they going to get blown out in that game? Is it going to be a close game? Last year's game against Wisconsin was absolutely abysmal. I, I mean, it was hard to kind of watch in – I was out, out and about that night, but – kind of seeing the highlights and seeing pretty much Wisconsin just terrorize the defense with jet sweeps and not a whole lot of passing. Like Graham Mertz had a terrible day that day, but the running game just absolutely demolished Michigan. So are they going to go to Camp Randall this year and get obliterated again? You can't, you can't be having that. Um, The Penn State game, I know a lot of people are really, really high on Penn State. I'm not. I'm not so sure about that. It, it always seems to be with uh, James Franklin. It always depends on what Penn State games they have. Pardon me, at home that year. So Michigan is going to be in the whiteout game. They announced that there's going to be two whiteouts this year. Uh, the other being the Week Three non-conference matchup against Auburn, which would be really cool to watch. But you know. Michigan had an opportunity in 2019 to win in the whiteout. 
Ronnie Bell has been an excellent receiver. Felt really, really awful for him after after that drop, but the the start of that game was abysmal for for Michigan. I mean, it was it was just big play after big play, you know, making Sean Clifford look like I I don't know. I know, I know last year he looked like White Mike Vick out there when they and a winless Penn State team rolled into. Michigan for the last game of the year uh, due to the COVID cancellations of the um, last two regular season games. But yeah, I, they're definitely going to be, it's either going to be a toss up or an underdog game against Penn state and 100% against Wisconsin. Um, So Washington at home, we two, the closer we get to this game, which is, now going to be two weeks away because next week is uh, the season opener. The more I kind of just feel uneasy about the game because you would think, you know, it's under the lights. It's going to be a maze out. The crowd should be electric. And I think the crowd's going to be electric regardless because college football's back. I don't know if you, you guys got to see any of the games yesterday, but Nebraska, Illinois, Illinois fans were elated. I mean, they it was packed. They were hyped. They were ready to go. I can only imagine. It seems like a fraction of what the big house is going to be next Saturday when they play Western. But that game, it, it kind of seems like Michigan should win that game. I believe in the nine night games that Michigan has had in its um, career. Hello, SM. Uh, joining the chat here. But in the nine night games that Michigan has played, they're seven and two. The two losses being the 2017 monsoon game against Michigan State. The the good old they wanted John O'Corn to throw 35 times in a monsoon game, and then last season's um, beat down by Wisconsin. But generally, Michigan plays well in the night games, and they've won those night games. So you you kind of think like, hell yeah, you know. Washington has to come all the way across country. It's a night game. It's going to be rocking, loaded. But some of the better things that Washington does is what Michigan was susceptible to last year. Um, they have a, a pretty def- a pretty decent back seven in their defense. Um, Trent McDuffie is a very good safety for Washington. And although we expect quarterback play, should be better. It's kind of hard to say at this point with how um, average to below average quarterback play has been under Jim Harbaugh so far. But you also have that. But Washington runs the football very well, and they have a very big physical offensive line. I think in the top offensive lineman prospects by Pro Football Focus, um, Jackson Kirkland, who's a tackle for Washington. You know, he was in that list for top three prospects, so it's going to be a really fun battle to see Aiden Hutchinson go up against Kirkland. But if they have a big opposing offensive line, Michigan's defensive line, even though it's a four, th- uh, three, four now, not not a lot of depth in those DT areas. Um, what are they going to be able to do against that line? So it's it's kind of like I'm kind of going back and forth between the Washington game, but. It's definitely a game that they could win. They're going to be underdogs for sure. Because Washington, I believe, started out as 20th in the first AP poll. Um, 
but nonetheless. So, so back to Harbaugh as a whole, like it, it all depends on how they perform in those games. If they're going into those toss up games and they, they get blown out, then it's like, okay, this has essentially been what's happening the last couple of seasons. We're just kicking the can down the road. You know, we're going to move off for you. But if, if they can find a way to make, win a couple of those games or make them close losses, because we know um, how kind of down bad Michigan's team was last year. COVID, COVID be damned. Um, you know, what, we'll have to see what they're going to do. Um, in those toss-up games, but um, R.J. Bishop again, what do you want to see week one that makes you feel more comfortable going into the Washington game? Um, I definitely would like to see see how the defense performs. Um, uh, earlier in this, um, this green room, we were previewing Western Michigan and we were talking about Western Michigan has some really good wide receivers. Um, Jalen Hall is... I mean, he's 6'3", 185. He had, he had 12 catches last season and had seven touchdowns from those 12 catches and averaged 26.9 yards per reception. So he's going to be a really big test early against Michigan's uh, defensive backfield because I, I don't think Western is a – they're not a cupcake, but they're not like – they're not like – um a Washington sized test in week two. Um, so it's going to, it's going to be an interesting battle, but I would definitely want to see how the defense fares and we got to see what the offense is. Um, it's going to be year three of Josh Gaddis. And if the offense is not carrying the defense this year, it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a really rough season for Michigan. Cause we already know that there are some spots on the line where they're thin depth wise. Um, and Michigan's offense has been kind of its Achilles heel through the, throughout the entirety of the Harbaugh era. So I really want to see how the offense performs because it's going to be a tough Washington defense regardless. That that game might – the Washington game might be like, I don't know, 24-17 or 2017. It might be a low-scoring battle if Michigan's defense shows up on that end. But those would be the, the couple of things I want to see to be more – comfortable um um sm what do you think of the run first offense they're going to try to run or try and run it's going to be more of the same or is it the run game just going to be really good i think i i read i read that comment that they want to be a run first office and at first i just groaned at the at that comment because have we not been a run-first offense for the, the entirety of the Harbaugh era? And it's it's not that I think it's going to be bad. They have some really good running backs, Hassan Haskins and uh, Blake Corm especially. And, and then you add five-star um, freshman Donovan Edwards into that mix as well. And Mike Hart is back. I think Mike Hart being back is very, very good for Michigan he was a. He's been a heck of a coach wherever he's been. Uh, I believe I have a, a thread somewhere of kind of tracking all all the running backs that he's coached out from from Eastern Michigan to Western Michigan to IU. Um, so I think the run game will be. I think it'll be good. It will really depend on how the line plays. But 
it, it, it's kind of I, I, I understand. It, it's just like, okay, well, we got a supposed, you're telling us what we're supposed to be seeing is a spread offense, but being a run, like power offense, that's not really, that's not really spread attack. Um, I know that they've mentioned with um, Matt Weiss coming from the Baltimore Ravens that they wanted to try to install some of the Ravens rushing concepts, which, which is fine. Uh, if, if you watch the Ravens have been one of the top rushing NFL teams in the country and they have some pretty, pretty nice formations as a whole, but does Michigan have the same caliber of players to run that? They definitely don't have a Lamar Jackson unless Jim Harbaugh thinks Dan Valari is going to be like, like better than Taysom Hill, but Lamar Jackson light, which I don't think is going to happen, but it's going to be interesting to see those wildcat Valari packages, but (laughs) uh, for the running game. So, Next question, Travis Moose. Uh, preseason prediction: What will, what unit will be our greatest strength, and what will be our greatest win- weakness? I'm thinking the greatest strength will be our receiving corps, and our greatest weakness will be the offensive line. Now, that's a great question, Travis. Um, I think the strength would definitely be the running backs. You can you can definitely make an argument for the wide receivers. The problem I have with trying to save the wide receivers will be our our biggest strength is because what what team of Jim Harbaugh has completely fully utilized the wide receiver room to its greatest ability? Like, which team has been that so far? It, as frustrating as it's been, because yesterday in, in all the college football, or the few college football games, Zach Charbonnet transferred to UCLA, and he killed Hawaii. I mean, he had like 12 carries for 106 yards and three touchdowns. He was he was like going Marshawn Lentz on Hawaii. Um, if you look at the wide wide receivers in the NFL, Donovan Peoples Jones drafted sixth round by the Cleveland Browns. He's killing it in camp. We we never really kind of seen the things that he's been showing in the NFL, or we've seen it, but in a very small sample size of not you know kind to. They're trying to incorporate him in the offense. And then the same thing with Nico Collins. I, I'm i trying to remember what year it was. I believe it would have been 2018 where Nico Collins, out of catchable passes, like passes in his catch radius, he it would either be he would either come down with it or he would draw a pass interference, like 50-50 split every time. Now, how do you only target that man four times a game? Like, like seriously. And it's not necessarily saying, okay, well, we need to get Nico the ball the entire time because you have to spread it around um, college defenses or not college defense defenses. You can key on guys and sort of stuff. But if you have like a, a game breaking guy like that, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense to get him more touches as much as you possibly can? So I do like this receiver room. There's a combination of guys like, um, how about uh, CJ Cornelius Johnson? He really made a lot of strides last year, um, and he's—I think he's going to break out this year. Be be Michigan's wide receiver one, um, and then Jackson State transfer Dalen Baldwin um, for for Deion Sanders last year. I mean, he was he was awesome. I'm trying to find where I had some of his stats down, but like Baldwin is a guy that definitely, okay, here we go. 
In six games, he had seven touchdowns and 540 yards, um, but he also averaged 20 yards per catch. And if you remember back in his recruiting process, or, or his transfer process, process, I should say, Ohio State wanted Baldwin. Now, I don't know if he would have been like the like the top option, but if you think Ohio State and how absolutely ridiculous their wide receiver room is, if they wanted a guy that that was also like he chose Michigan over Ohio State, he had a better opportunity at Michigan to kind of be be a bigger factor. But if Ohio State wanted him, then that kind of just tells you what caliber of wide receiver he'll be. Um, so. And then you also have Ronnie Bell. He's kind of like our version of a a trusty, I don't know what you call it, the old reliable, right? You know, if you if you need to get if you need a third down conversion, Ronnie Bell's your guy. If you if you need a big play really out of you know just throughout the game, Ronnie Bell's been there. He's done that. Um, I really hope he can move in the slot and Baldwin can take that second outside receiver position because if you look back in 2019, Ronnie Bell, he killed it in the slot. He was slaying it. And I know there was all the quarterback issues was last season, but I don't, he wasn't nearly as effective on the outside as he was in the slot. So, and then you can also add in AJ Henning, Roman Wilson, just prototypical speed guys, burners that, they can toast you. They can get past the defense and hurt you really bad. We saw that against um, throughout the season with uh, Wilson and then A.J. Henning. He can also be like that type of receiver to come out of the backfield or take snaps, and that's kind of what he did it all um, in high school and kind of almost like a Curtis Samuel type player, although that is very, uh, very sad hours mentioning Curtis Samuel in a Michigan podcast, but yeah, he's that type of player. Um, so I think for the greatest strength, I'm going to stick with the running backs. You could have said that last year, but I have so much more faith in Mike Hart over Jay Harbaugh that they will figure something out between Haskins, Corm, and Edwards. Um, and I mean, everybody and their brother has been saying, I, I mean, it's not even people saying it. You can see the pictures of Blake Corm. He is a mini tank. If there was a human representation of Mighty Mouse, that would be Blake Corm. Like that dude is built like a brick shit house, <laughs> and he's he's really fast. He he can cut like he makes cuts all over the field and stuff. He's ridiculous, and hopefully he can make a full like a full breakout season this year. What's up, Davis? What's good, my dude? Um, but if, yeah, Coram's going to be, they think he's going to be really, really good this year. I also think the same sentiment. And if you add Donovan Edwards, who towards the end of the season was looking like a number one running back player over uh, the number one running back in the country. Again, if you go back and look at his highlights or uh, in the state, cha- the state playoff run for West Bloomfield winning, uh, I believe their first state title, if not in their history in a long time, but he was absolutely insane and he can make, he's a big play runner. He can be a bell cow back. He can catch out of the backfield. I think 24 seven had a pro comp for him and it was Alvin Kamara. Um, 
that's always difficult putting like big expectations on those guys. But yeah, he's if he's your third running back, like that's a good thing. Um, you also have uh, Tavier Dunlap, who kind of reminds me of like a a like a light version of Derrick Henry, not as Derrick Henry, who is the dominant running back that just kills everyone. But he's a big body back. He's very, very good, like north south running speed. Excuse me. He's a strong kid. Um, and he, he's kind of one of those like uphill runners that also I think Mike Hart will, will he'll be able to utilize him. I don't know how many touches he'll get this year, but um, maybe situationally. Uh, definitely our greatest weakness um, for offense. I'll have to say it's it's down to quarterback or offensive line, and because what has the quarterback position been under Jim Harbaugh? It's been very average or good to bad. Um, the two best quarterback seasons, you could say, uh, 2015 Jake Rudock, who was a fifth-year transfer, and then Shea Patterson in 2018 was probably the second best. In between there, I mean, we've seen the John O'Corns. We we saw last year with with Joe Milton, um, and there was there's some lows with Brandon Peters and Dylan McCaffrey. Unfortunately, could never stay healthy, even though he would showcase um, what what he could do, and then he would get injured. So. If you're coming into this year and thinking like, well, you know, the quarterback is going to be astronomically better, I mean, you kind of have to side with, okay, this is what we've seen. It's more of a believe it when we see it. I do like Cade McNamara a lot. Um, if you look at his stats, he had high school stats, I should say. He basically held every Nevada State passing record um, by the end of his career. Um, I can't remember what article or who wrote it. I know it's from 24-7 Sports, but it's essentially saying that, and it, it's not in every case because there are, um, there are, there's definitely been quarterbacks that were super prolific in high school and, and pretty much flamed out in college. Uh, Tate Martell, for example. But basing on how much, passing you do or how prolific of a passer you are in in high school like the amount of how many passes kind of can show what you're going to be as a college quarterback and Cade McNamara was a very good quarterback in high school I mean he was all the way down to the elite 11 finals I believe the team that he was on I don't think he was on the team with Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence would have been the year, but I think he was teamed up with one of the top quarterbacks that class for their seven on seven stuff. And he got a lot of praise for, for that um, event. And we've, we've seen some flashes of Cade playing, playing well. Uh, the, the last drive against Wisconsin, he like dropped it, you know, corner of the end zone to Mike Sainer still great pass. He, he led, the best comeback Michigan season last year against Rutgers, which two and four was awful. One and five losing to Rutgers, which Rutgers was blowing Michigan out. Michigan was down 21 points at that point to Rutgers. Mind you like 
Jim Harbaugh would definitely not have a job if that that game would have been ugly, like a blowout loss to Rutgers. He led that comeback. He was making all the right reads, um, you know, doing everything he can. Unfortunately, when they played Penn State, he got injured very early, and he wasn't he wasn't the same player. So um, there's definitely potential with Cade. Uh, we know JJ McCarthy is a five star freshman. He's he's looked the part. Um, there's been positive reports of him out of camp, and if if anybody's going to bring Michigan's quarterback room or kind of change the notion against Michigan's quarterbacks, it would it would definitely be the um, definitely JJ McCarthy. So, um, but more of a weakness than the quarterbacks would definitely be the offensive line because there's talented players there, but. What is Sharon Moore going to do in his first year as offensive line coach? I know he's he's played the position before at a high level. Uh, I believe he was offensive lineman at Oklahoma, which back at that time, Oklahoma was not – they weren't the high up-tempo offense that they are now, but you know they were, they were stalwart and they had really good offensive linemen. So Moore has played this position himself, but – how is he going to train? Like, how's he going to do like their technique and can they get the group to come together um, for an offensive uh, weakness? So um, Travis Moose again, um, do I buy the Cade hype or do you think JOJ will eventually be in the starter at some point in the season? What about Bowman? Um, starting with Bowman, he is a really good insurance policy. If something happens to Cade and or JJ, um, because if if he has to play at any point in the season, you're probably in like, okay, Kate's hurt. JJ's probably too green to come out in the situation. Alan Bowman has played he's played games before. I believe he's played nineteen college games. Um and if it wasn't for if it wasn't for injuries, he would probably still be the quarterback at Texas Tech. They I believe Texas Tech had mentioned him as – or not even mentioning. If you look at his numbers, he had Mahomes-like numbers at Tech. I wouldn't say NFL Patrick Mahomes, but as like college Mahomes. And he, the injury bug, unfortunately, got a hold of him. So he's, he's a good insurance policy to have. Um, as far as Cade, Cade and JJ, excuse me, um, they've been very – like. They've met. I think Harbaugh's mentioned that they would like to play JJ at some point in the season. Um, whether that's package wise, I I hope not package wise. Whether it's in um, garbage time or he eventually beats out Cade during the season, um, we're we're probably going to see JJ McCarthy at some point this year. Um, as far as the Cade hype, it's it's kind of interesting to note that last year with all the hype with Joe Milton, it was, man, Milton is this quarterback and that quarterback. Like, Joe Milton's like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes and Cam Newton, Jesus. Like, that's that's Joe Milton. And that, that was kind of the, the hype storm that really, really took off after the Minnesota game. And it never really materialized. With Cade, the the hype that he's been getting from his fellow players and, co- and his coaches, it's been like... He's he's a good leader. He's he's been a consistent player. It, it's not. It's more praise about what he's doing and not 
like, hey, he's going to be quarterback X, Y, and Z. Like, he's a combination of that. So I think there is some weight to that. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if J.J. plays at some point in the season, um, especially, say, you know, Michigan's coming out of the uh, – I believe it would be the Nebraska game would be after they played Wisconsin and Washington. And they they, lo- they lose both games to Wisconsin and Washington, um, let's say badly. They'll probably be 3-2 and two. Um, cause they would, they would have beaten Western, uh, Northern Illinois and then Rutgers. If they're three and two with two really bad losses to, um, the, the two like toss up games or the underdog games, I wouldn't be surprised if they like, okay, let's throw Cade against, or excuse me, let's throw JJ out against Nebraska. Cause we all know Scott Frost is absolutely garbage and their program is absolute garbage. Um, so I think you you could definitely see some times where JJ will get some playing time, or he could just beat he could beat Kate out. I don't, I'm not sure how like we we've kind of seen in the past where Harbaugh's been like loyal to a quarterback at default. Like how many times did uh it, not in the Penn State game because I don't think they should have thrown Brandon Peters out in the 2017 Whiteout game where Saquon Barkley. Uh, was being guarded by Mike McCray, good good old Tucson mustache Don Brown, but um, you probably don't want to throw him out at that point. But the fact that it took so long to finally get Peters into that game after O'Corn was like very very not good for for the time being, you know will will he hold some of that with Cade? I think Cade will definitely be better than O'Corn. Just to preface that. But if if K, if JJ's showing the ability to, um, he's he's been leading the offense or he's been the best quarterback playing. I can't see Harbaugh just saying, "Well, you know, I'm I'm in a very tough year for my contract, and even though we have a better player behind our current starter, like there, I think there'd definitely be um, an opportunity for JJ to take over the starting role." Okay, so moving forward, SM, I do think Cade will help the offense. He consistently made the correct reads for, for in his few minutes. That is correct. I just don't, don't know if his legs will be able to save us if the O-line is up bar. That's, that's another thing. They might have to play – they might have to play J.J. because he's more an athletic quarterback. Um, not to say that Cade can't run, but he's not as – he's not as – mobile as a JJ. And if the offensive line is struggling, maybe, you know, maybe something happens to Cade or they're just not getting enough. If they're, if they're talking about adding some of the concepts from Baltimore's offense, do they, do they have a quarterback runs? Like, and somebody, I think somebody joke tweeted that, uh, you know, Hey, Cade McNamara, let, let's be him like Lamar Jackson, like trying to bring over this Baltimore offense to Michigan. But yeah, Cade isn't, he, he can run, but he's not like the most a- athletic quarterback, I would say. So it definitely, if the O-line is bad, you could, you could probably see that as well. Um, so RJ Bishop, I think people are going to sleep on the passing game this year and it's going to hurt them. 
that's very well type impossible. Um, uh, Davis Mosley was mentioning uh, Stevie Scott 2.0, I believe, when I was talking about Tavi or Dunlap. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he seems like the type of back that my car has in, enjoyed having um, throughout the years of his um, throughout the years of his coaching career. Uh, SM pre-injury, Will and Spate was definitely the second best quarterback we've had. Yeah. Um, it was very unfortunate that the end of the the end of his like uh, tenure, or I guess starting um, in 2016 when they lost out to Iowa, broken collarbone. That sucks. Probably can't. I can't imagine playing football with that or just having a broken collarbone and having to do you know everyday mundane things. And Will and Spay has to go out there and you know play physical football for 60 minutes or however long. So. Yeah, I could agree with that about Wilton. Um And yes, RJ, this is the first season that Harbaugh has openly announced a starting quarterback with Cade. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see what what's going to happen. <laughs> Cade is uh, Lawrence 2.0. Uh, maybe. I, I'm not going to – I do like Cade a lot. I'm not going to put that uh, – Above him, like he can't do that. We we just have to really have, <laughs> have to see that. Uh, Travis, who will be the biggest surprise on defense and who will be the biggest surprise on offense? And give me your starting secondary and who do you think will have the most interceptions? Biggest surprise on defense? Give me DJ Turner. Um, DJ Turner was a three-star cornerback out of the twenty. 18 class, excuse me, um, from IMG Academy, even though he's kind of smaller in stature, not as small as uh, Andre Selden, but um, I, I believe the game that I was watching, it was the high school kickoff of, it was IMG Academy against Hoover, Alabama on ESPNU, and then at the time, George Pickens, the Georgia wide receiver, was one of the top wide receivers in the country. Uh, DJ Turner was put on an island, and he locked uh, um, Pickens down. Like, completely took him out of the ball game. Um, and then, you know, if you if you look at his offer sheet, he had an incredible offer sheet. I mean, a lot of the big programs down the south um, – and just the rating wasn't wasn't there with him. So I think with um, with Clink Skill, he could definitely be a guy that could shock some people, um, especially seeing where he is in the like the starting secondary. Moving on to the biggest surprise on offense, um, I'm going to go with Eric All, and some of you might groan at that because of really he had a bad season last year with drops but if you look at his athletic profile his size and he can block like he's a good blocking tight end if he can get his his hands figured out like if he can stop like bricking these passes um he should be a very effective weapon for uh, michigan i mean i mean just just look at how many times he was wide open in the field and just couldn't bring down that that pass if he's if he's catching those passes that he has those those are big gains those are touchdowns um i i really like jay harbaugh back as the tight ends coach because 
the one year that he was tight end coach, or two years, I guess, in 15 and 16, uh, Jake Butt won the Mackey. Um, Jake Butt was great before 2016, but I, I think it's a better fit for Jay Harbaugh, and I think the tight end room should have a really big year. They also have Lewis Hansen, who's um, ridiculously sized. I've, I think I was listening to was listening to the bucket problem the other day, the, um, another Michigan podcast, and they mentioned how he is 6'6", 250 pounds for a freshman. Uh, that's insane. So Hanson might have a big year as well. Um, for the starting secondary, Jamon Green will probably be cornerback one. There's currently a battle between um, – DJ Turner and Vincent Gray for quarterback number cornerback number two. Um, I would probably say if it's not Turner, it'll probably be Gray, which I know we don't like that just from a standpoint of watching him last year. I think he'll be better this year. He kind of got a really unfair kind of kind of rap on when in 2019, when he was cornerback number two, I mean, he wasn't like the best corner on the field, but he he was solid. He was solid in run support, and I believe in the Alabama game, he it was it was one of Waddle or Smith where he was he was like holding them down for that. I because Jared Judy was killing Michigan in that game anyway, but um, I think he was holding one of those two receivers down. So I don't think he's nearly as bad as last year showed last year was just a complete crapshoot of I don't think Don Brown was prepared to um run a zone it seemed like he was going to run his man-to-man offense no matter what and that really hurt Michigan in the in the long run so I think I think it might be Turner in that second cornerback spot because they mentioned him as a guy that could, um, or I, I think he's going to be a, a sleeper breakout player this year, but he's been getting some praise in camp. Um, for the safety spot, uh, Brad Hawkins definitely. Um, I think they want to put Dax Hill in the nickel cornerback spot. So I think you could possibly see RJ Moten in that second safety spot. They're going to put Dax Hill all over the field, so I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say that if if you put Moten in that second safety spot, that it's automatically going to mean that we're not going to see Dax in that safety spot. He's going to be all over the place. But um, yeah, so let's go. Uh, Green one, Jamon Green CB one, DJ Turner CB two. Safety, um, Brad Hawkins, and then Nickel, and all of the field, Dax Hill, and then the other safety spot go to R.J. Moen. Um, R.J. Bishop, uh, what about Selden? Selden hasn't been getting a lot of, uh, which I'm not, I don't, like, I don't feel like openly talking about, like, like VIP stuff, because I know that those, that's their guy's job. I mean, if... If it's like privately, that's something different. But I, there hasn't been a lot of noise for Andre Selden this year, so it's it's kind of like if you don't hear about the guy, like like what is he doing? So it's kind of hard to say. Um, how many sacks will Aiden Hutchinson have this year? 
Will McGregor be a factor? And who has the most sacks this season? I definitely agree. Hutch will, he's going to lead the sacks this season. Uh, The question was from Chavis. As far as how many sacks, uh, it's hard to say. Uh, In Hutch's position, in the way that Baltimore likes to run those outside linebackers and stuff, Hutch, if he's healthy, he should 100% eat. He should be him and Dax Hill are the focal point of the centerpiece of this defense, and both of these players should excel very well in this new system. As far as a distinct number, eh, I don't know. It it all depends on – I don't think that he'd not – be able to get to the quarterback. He's probably going to have a great season, but I'm not really sure on number. Probably double digits. That's that's ballparking it. <laughs> Sorry for an exact number, but um, Travis asking again, who was the first Michigan player drafted this season and why? Um, Aiden Hutchinson, because if you look at their draft prospects, Aiden Hutchinson is the, the main first-round Michigan prospect and his his film shows why he's a very effective defensive end if they put him in this rush package or not if they will you're definitely going to see an increase of stats so it would definitely be um Aiden Hutchinson so um at this point if any of you guys would like to come up and I mean we've already doing asking questions in the chat but if any of you guys would like to to come up and speak if you have any predictions for the game this weekend against Western Michigan, if you have any hot takes. Um, this is not a five-star fan podcast. If if you think Michigan might lose this weekend, your opinion is va- your opinion is valid. Um, you know, we we accept all caliber of fan stars in in this uh, what's good. Wolverine's uh, area. So, um, RJ, a 56-point win, calling it now. That's bold. Um, if that, w- that would be great if they won by 56 points. Um, SM, we are going to own those bozos. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that they're going to win. Uh, I don't, I don't know a score because I'm, I'm terrible with predicting scores, but it should, it should be a two to three win, two to three score win for, for the good guys. Um, yes, they need to bring back the old Western logo. Their, their new logo looks like um, shit. Sorry, anybody that live in Kalamazoo and likes the Broncos, but. Uh, full Kool-Aid mode, RJ Bishop. Full Kool-Aid mode is uh, 15-0, baby. Or, no, we're going we're gonna to go 11-2 and NY6 Bowl win. Yeah, get that get that Don Thomas energy in here. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, a comfortable 35-point win with JJ and Boeing, J- Bowman seeing game time. That's possible. Uh, you're de- I think you're definitely going to see JJ in some capacity. Uh, if they're not seeing JJ, you're probably in a, a dogfight with Western, which is not what you would like to see. Um, but anywho, um, so uh, we're, what are we looking at time here? An hour and 19 minutes. Okay. Um, 
I wanted to do a a smidge of Harbaugh defending because Nebraska played and embarrassed themselves yesterday, and Scott Frost looks like an idiot once again. And there are a couple of national media hosts that had to say, well, Scott Frost is exactly like Jim Harbaugh. There was a stat from uh, Zach Shaw at Michigan 24-7 Sports for, for um, excuse me, for Frost to be in the same ballpark as Harbaugh, in the next 38 games, they would have to go 37-1. and We all know that Harbaugh's had his, his obvious flaws in the really down moments, but Michigan is not anywhere near the dumpster fire that is Nebraska football right now. So that that's going to be my two cents of defending Harbaugh. Maybe there will be more of that this season. We'll, we'll see, but um, if there's anything that you guys would like to add or come up, you're more more than happy to, or more than welcome welcome to. I get yeah, that's more of a my thing. I guess I could I guess I could just request you guys come up. But um, last question for me from Travis. Who plays in the Big Ten Championship game this season and who makes the playoff? Um, well, the Kool-Aid drinker in me, it's going to be uh, Michigan over Wisconsin, and they're going to make the play. They're going to win the playoff 100%. But no, uh, realistically, it's probably going to be Ohio State again for the East. Um, they'll probably win the Big Ten Championship again. It's it's not really kind of it's not really unknown that Ohio State is very loaded. They'll probably probably be very good again. So they're probably going to make the Big Ten title game for the West. Uh, Wisconsin that seems like a lazy answer, but who really in the West has a? I guess Minnesota could could be effective. Um, maybe Iowa if they kind of get their crap together, but. Um, more than likely, it's going to be Wisconsin. And who makes the playoff? Who? Let's go Ohio State. Um, probably number one. It's probably going to be Alabama. Number two will probably be Ohio State. Or Oklahoma. Oklahoma looks to be pretty good this year. Or they think they're going to be good. I'll, I'll get, actually give two playoff scenarios. Let's go one, Alabama, two, Oklahoma, three, Ohio State, and then four, Clemson, because there's nobody else in the ACC. And then the second um, bracket, let's do Alabama one, Ohio State two, Clemson three, and Iowa State four, the Cyclones have an opportunity to make the playoff. And this is not cap. But um, they, they they could. They, they would have to get through Oklahoma. But if, if any person could shock the world, it could definitely be Matt Campbell. So if that's all the questions for you guys, um, it's been very, very enjoyable talking about Michigan sports. Um, 
uh, I, I hope to have more of these in the future. Um, if the time is too early, maybe we could push it back an hour um, or push it forward an hour, I guess, around noon. But wanted to try to do this to get before the NFL game. So, you know, if you're you're trying to watch your favorite NFL team on Sunday after a very disappointing Michigan performance and you don't want to hear anything about Michigan, you know, why would you want to just like leave the NFL games to talk about them? But so I think that's what we'll we'll try to do. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter for more content, um, my handle is one five bs hall ninety seven. You can add me, hit me up, whatever. But um, yeah, it's been really fun, and look forward to doing it again. Thanks, thanks you guys for coming out for today. Um, So thanks, everyone. Go Blue. This has been the What's Good Wolverines podcast.